Yeah. Listen, it's important to be prepared for these things. People who have great lives have them on purpose. Everybody say on purpose. People who have, who succeed in life, succeed on purpose. Everything's everybody just lucky that, no, they do it on purpose. People who have great marriages, have them on purpose, not because they got lucky. All right, it's not that your life is so unlucky. It's just you do the right things, you'll succeed. If you don't, you'll fail. It's just, I know people hate saying that, hearing that, because they look at their lives and they stink and they don't want to take responsibility. It's my fault. Look, you get there on purpose. People who have great financial situations in their life, do it on purpose. Everybody thinks, my answer is I need more money. It's really not. Because if you keep the same patterns, you won't have any more money. People who make $40,000 a year think, if I made 80, man, I would be set. And then people who make 80 are as miserable as the people who made 40. And the people who make 80 think, man, if I made 120, I'd have it made. They make 120 and they're as broke as they were when they had 80. I know a person personally who makes $500,000 a year. And they can barely go out for dinner. Because they're so cash-strapped. Why? The same patterns. They have too much house and too much debt and too much cars. And they're broke. And it's just crazy. Uh, you got to learn how to do this. Okay? You can succeed at the level you're at right now, believe it or not. And uh, so it's not going to happen magically because you're so cute. All right? You've got, and it's not just going to happen because you're sitting there, oh, Lord, help me with my money. You need to get some wisdom. The Bible says, seek after wisdom. Only a fool despises wisdom. We've become very foolish in our nation today. We don't want wisdom. We want quick fixes to stuff. We just want God to change stuff for us. It's not going to change if you don't get some wisdom. So get uh, the information, get some information in your head, and certainly those that are here in Green Bay, sign up for the, the little seminar, and uh, you know, an hour of your time won't kill you. It might do you some good. All right, so check that out. Um, we are in Matthew, the 24th chapter now, going through the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we just finished uh, the last chapter. Jesus, according to Matthew, now has finished his final public talk. This is his last week on earth, and he is coming into the city every day, preaching and teaching, leaving the city at night, and he finally gives his final speech to everybody where he says this to them. He says, you need to be careful to do everything your religious leaders tell you to do because they are your religious leaders. And then he talks about what children of hell they are, which is amazing. These guys are hypocrites and children of hell, but do what they tell you. You need to respect them and honor them, which is so far from what we do today. Christians today, particularly in America, we don't respect much of anyway. People in America, generally, we, we don't respect people in authority. We don't respect politicians. We don't respect Police officers, we don't respect teachers, we certainly don't respect some stupid preacher who says or does something we disagree with. And we basically tell him to stick it and move on. Uh, this is the problem. Uh, we all, it's impossible to look at the Bible and look at how the church lives and how we live today, and it is day and night. I think uh, the American church is, uh, is about as impotent as it, any church has ever been in the last 2,000 years. We are in a terrible place. And one of the reasons is because we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. And we go to churches and we pick churches based on, you know, whether we like something or we don't like it. Uh, we like the music or we don't like the music. We like the children's program or we don't like the children's program. Now, I agree. It. In the beginning, when you first come in, those are some of the determining factors. But at some point, you need to put on your big girl panties and big boy panties and grow up. And you need to get committed and be part of something. 
even when it changes, even though somebody says something that you don't like. We've had people leave the church because a campus pastor didn't let them make an announcement. Or we've had people left because they didn't like the new singers that we have. Or they don't like this or the that. And seriously? And, uh, you know, Jesus talks about respecting and honoring your spiritual leaders, even when they're terrible people. Much less, if we're not terrible, we just do something you don't agree with. That, boy, we got a long way to go. And we're never going to see the kind of miracles that we need to see. As long as people are constantly being so immature and we have this very consumer, it's not just our church, all churches are like this. And I talk to pastors all the time. And the really successful churches are the ones who figure out the formula. You know, just the right balance of making everybody happy. But even still, just because a lot of people come doesn't mean it's a great church. We are in a bad place because we go to, we pick our churches like we pick our underwear, you know the right size and the right color, and these are a little bit too tight. I don't like briefs, I like boxers, and a boxer, and that's a little bit too tight, I'm gonna get rid of those, and it's just zipping around, and uh, we're never gonna see the power of God. In the New Testament, the Bible talks, they were so committed to each other that no one considered anything they owned was their, their, their own. If anybody needed anything, it was free to anybody in the church. They were so committed to each other. And that's, the very next thing starts talking about how the miracles and the power of God went throughout the church and how they changed the world. But it starts with people actually being committed to each other. Okay? So now he goes on after talking about that. It says in verse 1 of chapter 24, Then Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Look at this place. He said, man, look at these massive, beautiful buildings here in the temple. And Jesus said, you see all these things? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down, prophesying of the time 70 years later when the Romans would come in and decimate their city. Uh, you really want a picture of gruesome, just go on and Google the Roman destruction of Jerusalem and read what the historians say happened. It was brutal. They came in, they killed as many people as they can, they laid siege to the city, were starving them out. The people would try and run to escape, they'd capture them, they'd crucify them. Uh, the city was surrounded with crosses. Uh, they crucified so many people, they ran out of uh, wood. Uh, death, destruction everywhere at a level most of us cannot even begin to comprehend. This is why Jesus, when he first came to the city, remember, he looked over the city and he cries, he weeps. And he says, if you would have just listened, you could have been spared, but instead you've rejected God. And that's why, because he saw what was coming, and it was brutal. Again, read it. Just a little historical thing, uh, and uh, you'll be stunned at how horrible it was. So he says, look, it's all going to be torn down. And then, so then they leave the city, they go to the Mount of Olives, where they would hang out. And Jesus was sitting, it says, verse 3, on the Mount of Olives. And then the disciples come to him privately and said, tell us, when will this happen? When will what happen? When will everything be knocked down? And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Now, they're assuming by their question that it all happens at the same time. It does not, clearly. It's been 2,000 years since the city got knocked down, and we're still here. So, uh, Jesus doesn't try to clarify that to them, but he just starts talking about the end time. And he starts speaking prophetically. Now, one of the things about prophecy, that you'll certainly see it in the Old Testament, these guys would prophesy, and the way they would write, it sounds like everything was going to happen right away. When we knew it took a long time for this stuff to happen. It's, it's, as, it's as if prophets look into the future and they can see the mountaintops of certain events. 
But what they're not describing are all the valleys that are in between. There's sometimes a big chunks of time that go by. And certainly it was the case uh, in the Old Testament. Probably is the case here as Jesus is talking. Uh, so they want to know, when's all this going to happen? So Jesus sits down now with his disciples privately and starts telling them about the end of the world. And we're going to be reading about that and studying that over the next few weeks. Okay, so let's take a look. Now Jesus answers, he says, Now watch that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming that I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Now we know that has happened many times over the last 2,000 years. People claiming to be the Messiah and pulling off people to follow after them. Uh, he says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Hard not to be alarmed when stuff like that happens. Such things must happen, Jesus said, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, you have to understand, this is during a time where there was always wars. In fact, at this time, they're already under the occupation of the Roman army. The Romans were constantly conquering everybody around them. They were always looking for more territory and stuff. So it wasn't like wars were a new thing. But he starts talking in a sense as if something really different is going to happen. Now, many Bible scholars would take a look at this and say, you know, that a lot of people believe that this was talking about this massive conflagration, this horrible event that happened over 100, about 100 years ago with World War I and World War II, where the whole world was literally at war. And it was quite horrible. Uh, and millions of people lost their lives, not mentioning property and suffering and just family members. It was quite horrific. It's been a while now, uh, you know, but uh, it wasn't all that long ago when all this was happening. He says uh, that there, he says, but he says such things must happen, but the end has still not come. Okay, now a lot of people thought when World War II was happening that this was the end of the world. A lot of people did. Now, they thought Hitler was the Antichrist. Here comes this guy, he comes to this power, and he's you know, causing all this trouble and stuff. It would have been easy to conclude this must be the Antichrist, this man that the Bible talks about. But it wasn't him. And it wasn't the end. And Jesus said, look, these things must happen, but the end is still not come. Okay? Then he says another sign. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Now, we assume this is at an amplified level. There's always been famines. There's always been earthquakes. Uh, but uh, it's, he says it's going to get really bad, noticeably bad. The earth is going to go crazy. Stuff is going to start happening. Uh, it's been interesting, if you pay attention to these things, how many geologists speak of how over the last 50 years there's been more earthquakes than they've ever recorded before. It's been quite a, a kick. I still think we're just at the beginning of this. I think it's going to get a lot crazier. And the famines and the earthquakes and stuff, the world is going nuts. And Jesus said, these are all the beginning of birth pains. These are the beginning signs of the end. I believe we are seeing the beginning signs of the end. What does that mean? When does all this end? I don't know, and neither do you. All right? So don't have a fit. All right? One of the Christians, I just didn't argue about, well, I, I listen to that pastor so-and-so on TV, and he says this means that, and this, he does that. No, and neither do you. Okay? So relax. I believe in the pan theory. It'll all pan out in the end, all right? <laughs> so don't be arrogant and goofy about it. This wasn't so we could argue about it. It just says that, hey, it's going to get nasty. So he starts talking about weather and stuff, and it's going to go crazy. Now, things are starting to go crazier than ever. I don't think it's because of global warming, you know. One of the reasons why Christians, by and large, don't get all freaked out with global warming, except for you Christians who don't read the Bible, uh, is because we know that's not how the world ends, 
Okay, we know how the world ends. We read it, all right? We went to the end of the book, we see how it ends. And it's not gonna be because polar ice, claps, ice caps melt and polar bears float into Green Bay and eat all the people, all right? That's, you know, I don't care what Al Gore says, that's not how it's going to end. So all these people are, oh, what about global warming? Why most of us don't react to it is because, mm, no, that's not how it ends. Well, we gotta explain all this stuff. Well, first of all, they're wrong about half of what they're talking about. In second place, the reason the world's gonna start going crazy and it's gonna get worse. It's just birth pains. It's all going to come to an end. They will be desperate to try and explain it. That's one of the stupid ways they're trying to explain it, but it is just another stupid way to explain it. That's not what is happening. All right? Uh, so he says, this is just the beginning of pains. Things are going to get nuts. Then he says, you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Now, some said, well, we believe that's when Jesus was prophesying about the Roman Empire coming and killing all these Christians. I hope that's what he's talking about. That means we don't have to hit this yet. Uh, we don't know that's what he's talking about. It might have been. Uh, it'd be great if it is. Uh, he could be meaning that after all this stuff that I just mentioned, then you're going to be handed over, which means it is yet to come. Uh, Certainly there are parts of the world where it is already coming for Christians. Uh, if you've been paying attention at all, the rise in persecution among Christian people is uh, spiking right now around the world. They're actually starting to do news stories about it. Uh, we still live in a Christian nation, but even in our country, they're starting to hate us more and more. And uh, uh, at some point, it could get really, really bad. Uh, again, I don't know that that's going to happen to us, but it might. You just need to be ready. That's the point of all this, by the way. Jesus is teaching this stuff to be ready. When he gets to the end, he'll say, therefore, be careful with how you live. Whenever you read in the New Testament, they talk about the end of the world. They always end with, therefore, be prepared about your life. Be careful because you see this is coming. You need to live right. He says this at verse 10. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. You mean Christians will do that? Will turn and hate each other? Oh, yeah. And good Lord, if we can't handle and this is the thing that just fries me. The church, again, as I said at the beginning of this message, is in such a bad place. People get mad and crazy, and I don't want anything to do with you anymore over the stupidest little things. What do you think is going to happen when this happens? You don't think you're going to turn on each other? See, that's why you have got to quit freaking out over stupid little things. You don't, if you're a part of your church community, and if it's not this and there's another one, whatever it is, you people watching me on television, whatever, around the world on the internet, you need to be part of a church and commit yourself and settle in and quit leaving because the pastor didn't make an announcement that I wanted him to make. Or he put different singers on the stage that I didn't want. Or he changed this or they did the youth department. Seriously, that is what throws you. If you can't handle little piddly crap nonsense like that, and yes, I said piddly crap. <laughs> if you can't handle little, now some of you leave the church over that. If you can't handle stuff like that, how are you going to handle this? How are you going to stand up and this. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and we will betray and will hate each other. Good grief. We hate each other over the stupidest things now. And it's to our shame. And this is relatively new. Over the last 20 years is where we got to this place. Man, I don't know how many of you guys have been in churches for a long time. We were raised. I was part of a church for 20 years I couldn't stand. But I never thought of leaving. And they were crazy. 
And I thought they were crazy. And I told them they were crazy. I never went anywhere. Good grief today. He did a They all cycle crazy over there. You looked at my kid the wrong way. Couldn't help but he's a weird looking kid. Well, I'm never coming back here anymore. Seriously, this is the end for you. You can't handle little piddly nonsense. How do you think you're going to handle when this stuff starts hitting the fan? And I'm saying this to warn you. You're either going to be part of this thing or not. And turn and hate each other. Betray each other. And talk about unforgiveness. Man, there's people, there's people in this church. You can't stand other people. You can't stand your ex-wife. You can't stand. Seriously? Just because they made you mad about something. You can't get past it. You have no idea what is coming. Some of us are going to be tested at a level we never thought. And you know one of the big problems in the early church, one of the big challenges they had? Because they were severely persecuted. Can you imagine? You are standing there with your children next to you. And someone said, you either give up on this Jesus or I'm going to slit your kid's throat. And you say, no, I'm not going to give up on Jesus. And they slit your kid's throat and you watch them bleed to death in your arms. And the other guy, the guy sitting right next to you in church right now, he'll stand there with his kids and he'll say, no, no, we don't really believe in that Jesus stuff. How are you going to feel about that guy? How are you feel about it? You think it's going to mess with you? And we know that in the early church what happened was those people later would feel really bad about what they did and that they'd want to come back to the church and they asked the church to forgive them. Now how are you going to handle that? How do you think they handle that? I stood up for my faith. I watched my children die. You still got your children. And now you want to come back in the church and you want us to forgive you? And you know what they did? They let them back in the church and they forgave them. Because they understood it. And seriously, you're mad because somebody said something you didn't like? The preacher said something that irritated you? There's a shock. And you're unforgiving people. Some of you are fighting over some of the most piddliest, stupid, little tiny things that don't mean jack squat. And we have people who've already left the church over some of the dumbest things on earth. And this happens in every church all over America. Oh, you got those few churches that find that perfect balance where they learn how to not make anybody mad. And they tend to be these huge mega churches. But you still got to wonder, what's the point of that? People mad, unforgiving, you said this, he said that, you talked about prayer that one way, I didn't like the way you did it, and yet rip me to pieces and quit and leave the church. Seriously, if we can't handle this little tiny stuff that American Christians just have fits about and get mad, what do you think is going to happen when this happens? That's why Jesus said many will turn away from their faith. He said, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most. Everybody say most. Look around your campus over in Stevens Point. Look around that room over there. According to Jesus, when this happens, most of those people in there will give up on their faith. Look around in Appleton. Look around that room. Most of them, Jesus says, will give up on their faith. Look around here in this room. Most will give up. When this starts happening, that's what's going to happen. So, well, I don't want that to be me. I'm sure you don't want it to be. I don't want it to be you. But that's why we have got to stop coming unglued over the dumbest little things that get you emotionally freaked out. How are you going to handle it when this stuff happens? There is a day coming, and it's going to be rough. 
You know how you know you handle it then? It's because how you handle little things now. That's really the test. If you can handle it now, you'll be able to handle it. People say, well, what would you do if someone put a gun to your head and said, deny Jesus? What would you do? Well, you don't wait for them to decide. You decide that today. I've already made that decision. Pull the trigger. Put a gun to my head, deny Jesus, pull the trigger. I already know the answer to that. I already made the decision. You make these decisions ahead of time. You live life now. How do you handle life now? That's right. He says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. He's giving a very bleak picture here. This is not warm and fuzzy. This is like creepy, oh my goodness, scares me half to death. If we read this stuff and it creeps you out and it'll creep you out for the next couple of weeks as we go through this, it's supposed to creep you out. What's sad is I think virtually any of this stuff would apply in the Christian community in America today. I think, I just think Christians, it grieves me to no end because I, you know, I love God and I want to encourage people to know God, but at the end of the day, people tend to be the most self-centered, narcissistic people they can possibly be. And their version of Christianity, as long as I can get everything I want, I'll serve Jesus and I'll be part of this, but if I can't, I'm out of here. That is that, maybe we'll never change that. Maybe it's just the way it's going to be. I don't know. Certainly this is heading a bad place. Then Jesus says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And then Jesus says this, speaking about the end of the world. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, and then Matthew adds this little interjection, let the reader understand. In other words, he knows a lot of the people reading this will have no idea what he's talking about. Uh, a lot of you have no idea what I just talked about. All right, uh, we can go into the book of Daniel in detail and explain it, in the book of Revelation in detail. Let me give you the Cliff Notes version, okay? You can go study it hard. What he's talking about. Daniel, a long time ago, prophesied of this end time, this prophet, this, this uh, antichrist that would come. And he will stand in the temple and declare himself as God. He will defile the temple. We read about it in the book of Revelation, how the Antichrist will consider himself to be worshipped by all the peoples of the earth. Jesus says, when you see that, run. Because this is really going to hit the fan now. And he literally says, uh, run. When you see that, verse 16, he says, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down and get anything out of the house. Let no one on the field go back and get their cloak. How dreadful it will be for the day, those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never equaled again. It is going to get more horrible on this planet than it has ever been since the beginning of time. And it's still going to come. And he says, you know it's ready to hit it when you see this abomination of desolation when this happens. Now, a couple of things about that. Clearly, based on what the Bible says about this event, the temple in Jerusalem needs to be rebuilt. Right now, there is no temple. If you look over in the Holy Land, you'll see people praying at the Wailing Wall. You've seen them all standing there praying at the Wailing Wall. That wall is all that is left. When Jesus said they're going to knock everything down, he wasn't kidding they knocked it all down. There's just one piece of a wall left. And they all stand at that wailing wall. 
And Jews right now are looking to, they want to rebuild this temple. The problem is where the foundation of the temple originally stood now sets a Muslim mosque called the Dome of the Rock. Knock that sucker down, see what happens. It's going to really be something. Now they're saying, and some people say, well, maybe there'll be an earthquake and it'll knock it down. I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody knows. Uh, I've been reading uh, in the newspaper recently, not too long ago, that some people are now, archaeologists are saying, no, 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 that's not the foundation. The foundation of the temple is actually over here, which means they could freely build the temple again over there. I don't know. Who knows? We do know that stuff has not happened yet. This is not all over yet. There are some significant things. I think we're just in the beginning birth pangs. And how long that will be, I don't know. Uh, it could be a thousand years yet. I don't think so. I think it's not very long. It'll probably within a hundred years, I would think. But I don't know that. Most of us are going to be gone by that time anyway. It could happen right away. One thing that we have learned is that things can change very quickly. Those of you my age and, and older, you remember we were always raised with the Soviet Union, right? We all thought, man, the Soviet Union, that, we'll never get rid of that. That thing is a powerhouse. We lived in fear all our lives of the Soviet Union. You younger ones have no idea what we're talking about. But boy, that's all they talked about, the Soviets, and they were anti-God and everything, and they're going to try and destroy us, and it's going to be horrible. And uh, I remember uh, Pastor Joe and I were part of ministry, and we, we'd snuck, at times smuggle Bibles into uh, the, past the Iron Curtain. We've got some great stories about that, but there, a lot of Christians did that, trying to help people back there, but they were intense. It was a big deal, and no one thought, there's no way we'll ever get rid of communism. And in a day, it was over. It was stunning. I'm telling you, when God wants to change something, it'll change. People talk about, how can an antichrist, how can some unknown person just rise out of nowhere and become this great, powerful leader? Have you not been paying attention to the last couple of election cycles? <laughs> right, and if you're a Democrat, check your medication. It's not a slam on you, but... I, and I don't think, a lot, some people actually saw this, and I, I, I talked to pastors, and I thought, man, they, when this was first happening, here comes this guy no one's ever heard of, and he rises to the most powerful uh, position on earth, and everybody is just fawning at him. They, a lot of them thought, man, I wonder if this is the Antichrist. But, he, but Barack is not the Antichrist. The Antichrist will have all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> not a slam on him. The Republicans are as dumb, okay? So they're all psychos over there. But he's not the Antichrist, because literally the Antichrist will step in and have all the answers, and the world will be really sucked in. Clearly, the current fellow does not have all the answers. Uh, but it was a dry run, I'm telling you right now. You could exactly see how somebody could come out of nowhere no one's ever heard of, and in a matter of a few years, boom, rise to the most powerful place in the world. All of this could happen in a handful of years. Uh, it's a little creepy. If uh, you get creeped out hearing about this, you're supposed to get creeped out hearing about this. But here's one thing that is true. Whether or not the world is going to come to an end anytime soon, the reality is your world's going to come to an end pretty soon. Nobody gets out of here alive. Well, I mean, not today, out of here. <laughs> I knew they were a cult. They're going to kill us all. No, no, we're not going to kill anybody. All right? It's, it's just communion wine. It's not poison. All right, this one. All right? <laughs> I mean, nobody gets out of here life uh, alive, okay? <laughs> Got to be careful how you say things around here. <laughs> ah! No, we're not killing people today. All right? That, that's, that's next week. All right, so. Uh, but nobody gets out of this alive. We're, we're all going to die. People worry about the end of the world. It doesn't really matter. Your world could end tomorrow. 
Some of you could check out today. Now, the last time I said that, some lady drove out of the church and literally died that day. I felt terrible about it. Like it was my fault. It wasn't my fault. That could happen. You don't know. Your time. Everybody's got to check out. The bottom line is you need to be ready. This is very creepy. I hope it doesn't come in my lifetime. A lot of people say, oh, I wish Jesus would come back tomorrow. And a part of me does too, but I don't want to go through this. This does not look like a fun time to me. It's going to be really tough. Most people, I believe, certainly what Jesus said, if it happens today, most people, at least in Christian America, will turn on Christianity. They won't put up with this. They'll turn their back on him so fast it'll make your head spin. We need to take this seriously. We need to get solid in our faith. You need to determine today what are you going to do about your faith? Are you going to be committed to a church? Are you going to be part of a family of faith? Or are you going to live in this little narcissistic world that I'm out of here as soon as they do something I don't like? Because I promise you, there's a whole lot of not liking coming someday. I hope I'm long gone before any of that happens. But whether this all happens in the next five to ten years, or whether it doesn't happen in the next 200 years, in either case, we all are coming to our own end. We don't know when it is, and we need to be ready. And that's the point. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, as we look at these things. They're kind of creepy, to be honest with you, Lord, and, and uh, very uh, sobering. And that's the point. And that's why you told us, because of these things, we need to be ready. Help us, Lord, to all be ready. Whether this happens in our lifetime or not, we all need to be ready to meet you. And help us to take that very seriously. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So next week we'll pick it up and we'll continue. There's a lot more he talks about here about the end of the world. We're not done yet. We're just getting started. See you next week. Amen.